Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt the Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message. I was asked to share some thoughts on the book of Jonah, which is something that's traditionally studied uh, on Yom Kippur. And while doing some research, I learned a couple of things about Jonah. Uh, Some of his contemporary prophets were Hosea and Amos. He lived during the king of Jeroboam, during the reign, sorry, of Jeroboam II. And uh, he was not a talking asparagus, as uh, Veggie Tales might have you believe. He was also a great fisherman because he knew fish inside and out. <laughs> That's a groaner, sorry. <laughs> uh, but we see him mentioned in Second Kings chapter 14, verse 25, where it says, he, referring to Jeroboam II, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Lebohamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord of the God of Israel spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. From, now, from the uh, story of Jonah, from the book of Jonah, we can kind of learn a few things and I'm going into this with the assumption that everybody's pretty familiar with the book of Jonah. If not, there will be spoilers. Um, But from the book of Jonah, we can kind of learn a couple of things about his personality. Uh, I think it's important when we read the scripture to look at the people behind the stories, to remind ourselves that these were actual living, breathing people who had personalities and had character flaws. Sometimes they had very significant character flaws, like in the case of Jonah. Uh, But some of the things I kind of gleaned from his personality based on the text uh, was that, number one, he seemed to be a little bit melodramatic. Uh, When the sun was beating down, I'm like, oh, I wish I was dead. Oh, Uh, he definitely held a grudge against Nineveh. He resented the fact that the Lord didn't destroy the city. He was stubborn. He was conniving. He was, he was a little weaselly. Uh, but it's also important to remember that Jonah was a successful prophet because at his teaching, there was repentance. Not only of the people of Nineveh, but also... In Jonah chapter uh, 1, verses 15 and 16, we read this. They took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So not only was this melodramatic, weasley, stubborn man 
able to teach in a way that got, brought repentance from the people of Nineveh, but also in a way that brought repentance from the sailors that he sailed with because they saw the might of the Lord. Of course, before we get uh, too high on the uh, We Love Jonah bandwagon, we should remember the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, where he said, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. See, we look at the great success that Jonah had in, in terms of teaching people in a way that brought them to repentance, but we have to remember, ultimately, that was the work of the Lord. The Lord was the one who prepared the hearts of those sailors so that when they saw the mighty works, when they saw the storm cease, they were ready to uh, fear the Lord. They were ready to accept that. The Lord had prepared the hearts of the people in Nineveh so that when Jonah went through the city saying, in 40 days you will find destruction, they were able to repent. Uh, so we look at Jonah, and he doesn't really serve as a very good example. A lot of times when we read scriptures, we like to focus on the people that we admire, we all want to be brave like Daniel. We all want to be mighty like David. We all want to be wise like Solomon. But people like Jonah, while they can't serve as a good example, they can serve as a good example of a bad example. If you're smart, you learn from your mistakes. If you're a genius, you learn from other people's mistakes. And so, I wanted us to look at Jonah as a good example of a bad example. I wanted us to look at him as somebody who could teach us to not follow his example. Uh, I'm reminded when I went to school, uh, I took a film class, and one of the things they said is, you don't learn how to make a movie, you learn how not to make a movie. And so, maybe we can learn some things not to do from Jonah. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jonah had a call on his life to go to the people of Nineveh. And everyone in this room right now has a call in their life. Everyone has good works that the Lord has prepared in advance for you to do. And the Lord will give the growth. Re regardless of our flaws, regardless of our personal weaknesses. But wouldn't it be better to have a story uh, more like, where we're more like Daniel than like Jonah? So, one of the first lessons we can learn from Jonah comes to us from Jonah uh, chapter 1, verse 9. When the sailors asked him, who are you and, and what do you do? He answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, this is just me. I would not get on a boat to 
get away from someone who controls the sea. Maybe I'm overthinking things, but I feel like if Jonah knew that the Lord made the sea and the dry land, yet got on a boat, maybe he knew it, but he didn't know it. And that's a big difference. See, we can know that we're to love our neighbor as ourself, but then not know it when we get cut off in traffic. We can know that the Lord is always with us, but not know it when hard times come, when illness strikes. We can know that we're called to forgive, but not know it when somebody has really, truly, deeply hurt us. You see, Jonah knew in his head, but not in his heart. He may have even known the words of the psalmist, and I'm apologizing to the uh, PowerPoint. I'm kind of calling an audible here. Who in Psalm 139 says, starting in verse 7, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. That's a little foreshadowing for you guys who haven't read the book yet. <laughs> if I take wings, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light shall be my night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. See, Jonah knew that he couldn't run, and he knew that he couldn't hide, but he didn't know it. He, he was maybe like the people that Isaiah prophesied against. In Isaiah chapter 29, uh, starting in verse 13, but the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Jonah knew the words, but he allowed them to become just words. These are the words of eternal life. Remember the apostle said to Yeshua, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And the most disrespectful thing we can do to these words is turn them from the words of eternal life to just words. Just words of hollow recitation or just words on a page or just words on a picture on our wall. We can't allow ourselves to fall into hollow recitation. The Lord can easily see through hollow words, as he shows in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. He says, when you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offering. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity 
and solemn assembly. Contrast this with the words of Yeshua, who said in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jonah knew the words, but he didn't know them in spirit and truth. Jonah knew the words, but he didn't know the words. Next, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, after being vomited up by the whale, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And me personally, I always imagine uh, the whale... uh, What's a polite word? Threw up, uh, regurgitated maybe, Jonah onto the dry land. And I always imagine him laying there on the beach. And before he's even gotten to his feet, the word of the Lord came to him. As if to say, okay, you tried to run once. It didn't work. Now I'm going to tell you a second time. But he said in verse 2, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And now notice this time, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Jonah got a wake-up call. Uh, A pretty uh, extreme wake-up call. But then... By the time we get to Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, after the people of Nineveh repent, we see this. When God saw what they did, speaking of the the repentance of the people of Nineveh, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented onto the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do this. So far, so good, but then we get to chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. The Lord sent a wake-up call to Jonah to get rid of all of this bitterness and anger and resentment that he had for the people of Nineveh. And at first, he listened to it. He listened to the wake-up call, but then he went back to sleep. How many of you guys have ever had your alarm go off and think, I'm just going to close my eyes for a couple of minutes, and then you wake up and realize you're late or very late? Uh, That's essentially what Jonah did. The Lord gave Jonah a wake-up call, and Jonah went back to sleep. We have another person. We have a couple other people in Scripture that I was able to think of, who got wake-up calls, but went back to sleep. How about Pharaoh? He got 10 wake-up calls. None of them stuck. How about Nebuchadnezzar? He threw the three boys into the fiery furnace, and he said, clearly, they serve the one true God. And yet, the Lord later had to take his mind from him and, and give him the mind of a wild beast. We don't want to be like Pharaoh. We don't want to be like Jonah. We don't want to be like Nebuchadnezzar. We don't want to get a wake-up call and go back to sleep. 
But how many times has this happened to us? How many times have we read a verse that really convicted us to our heart, and then within a couple of weeks, that conviction has faded away? How many times have we heard a lesson? How many times have we, I listen to a lot of Christian music, how many times have we been convicted by a song, and yet that conviction fades away? The reason Jonah went back to sleep after his wake-up call might be because he wasn't following the words that the Lord spoke to Joshua, not me, the other Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1-8. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. See, a mistake that we sometimes make when we're talking about repentance is thinking that it's a one-time thing. I sinned, I repented, I'm done. Unfortunately, we're human, and humans forget. Humans need to be reminded. We need to be reminded daily. Repentance is not a one-time thing. It's not a -a once-a-year thing. It's a daily thing. Sometimes it's an hourly thing. Uh, That's why the Lord commanded Joshua, do not let this book of law depart from your lips. Have your heart so full of the word that since we know that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, have your heart so full of the word that when you open your mouth, you can't help but have the word spill out. That's how you keep from going back to sleep after you receive your wake-up call. You know, we, we recited the uh, Kol Nidre, the prayer of repentance. And there might have been some things in that, that that really got to you, that you said, oh man, I'm really guilty of that. And my prayer is that you repent earnestly and, and with all your heart, not only when you receive that conviction, but tomorrow morning when you wake up, and the day after that, and the day after that. Devotion to the Lord and repentance are sort of like a, like a muscle or a skill. Imagine someone telling you that they want to be a pro athlete, but they only train once a year. I don't think their career would go very well. Imagine somebody saying they wanted to be a professional musician, but they weren't going to practice. They were just going to take one guitar lesson, and that should teach them everything they know. In the same way that muscles need to be exercised regularly in order to stay strong, our spiritual muscles need to be exercised regularly. And the third problem I saw of Jonah's that we can learn from, his desires weren't in line with the Lord's desires. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, it says, He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said when I was at home? 
This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Remember, he's talking about repentance. He wanted to forestall repentance. Uh, I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who resents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than live. One thing that's interesting in this is you can make a worship song out of part of this. You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who resents from sending calamity. I'd sing that worship song. But Jonah said it in anger. He was upset that the Lord is gracious and forgiving. Which, by the way, if the Lord was not gracious and forgiving, the book of Jonah would have one chapter. And it would end when the Dag Gadol, the, the great fish, swallows Jonah. And then we would have a new book. The, Lord of the, the word of the Lord came to Steve, the obedient prophet. And he went to Nineveh because he heard what happened to the last guy. But Jonah wanted punishment for the people of Nineveh. He wanted them to be destroyed. And one of the things we see later in the, in the book of Jonah, and specifically in chapter 4, he cared, about, he cared more about having shade over his head than the people of Nineveh. And we know that's a contrast to how the Lord feels because in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. One of the things that we talked about during our discussion of Jonah is, who are your Ninevites? Who are the people that if the Lord said, go to them and teach repentance, you would say, well, maybe not. See, we have to allow our desires to be aligned with the Lord's desires. I've heard some scholars say that the point of prayer is not to change God's mind, but it's to change our mind. When we pray to God for something, maybe we're not working on getting Him to do something different. Maybe He's getting us to believe or to feel something different. Maybe He needs to work on our hearts. Uh, but it's easy to think to look at things from a worldly view. But don't underestimate what the Lord can do. We've already seen that the, the wicked pagan people of Nineveh were brought to repentance. But we have another story in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, 
for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias could have been like Jonah. He could have said, this is a guy whose job it is to persecute followers of Yeshua. But he didn't. We need to be like Ananias. We need to align our desires with God's. Maybe there are people that you encounter right now that you're thinking, there's no way the Lord can bring about repentance in them. But that thought is wrong. There's nothing beyond the Lord. One of the, one of the stories I like from, uh, I believe it's in 2 Kings. Uh, no, it's in 1 Kings, sorry. Uh, the enemies of Israel, they get together and they decide, they say to themselves that the God of Israel is a God of the mountains, so we will attack them in the plains and we will be victorious. So the prophet went up to the king and said, this is what they're saying, so you're going to win. <laughs> the, the Lord literally handed them victory, be, the, the people of Israel victory, because the enemies underestimated him. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, uh, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are better than your thoughts. It seems silly to have to say this, but the Lord knows better than all of us. The Lord knows better than all of us put together. Because the Lord is the source of our wisdom. We, we got our ability to reason and to think from the Lord. And so our ability to think and to reason and to plan and to see possible outcomes will never even get near the level of the Lord's. And that is, that's why we need to focus so much on aligning our desires with the Lord. Sometimes it may not make sense, like being sent to a wicked, evil city like Nineveh, or being told to go meet with somebody who was a persecutor of believers. But the Lord knows what he's doing, and we have to believe that the Lord knows what he's doing. And unlike Jonah, who knew the word of the Lord in his head, we need the word of the Lord inscribed in our hearts. Unlike Jonah, when we receive a wake-up call from the Lord, when we are convicted, we can't go back to sleep. We can't fall into the same traps over and over again. And unlike Jonah, we need to align our wants and our desires with those of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day you've given us, and we thank you for Jonah, who 
rather than showing us how to live, showed us how not to live. Lord, I pray that each of us can be obedient to you, can write your word on our hearts, can align our desires from you, with you, and can always heed the Spirit's calling. Lord, help us to see the good works that you have prepared in advance for us to do, and help us to have the courage and the faith to do them. B'shem Yeshua, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.